Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Let me tell you what, this will blow up spectacularly on the people that voted for it. I don't know what the hell you guys are thinking, but you ne- you gave away your rights, the right, and it's really not yours, but it's your employees, but it could be yours. SI's Russ Dillinger. This new bylaw should be added to a growing list of mindless missteps, which make the NCAA even more punchable than the one before. Leave it up to Tom Mars. And SI's Pat Forty. I would imagine SMU is absolutely pitching to the Pac-12. We can be your TCU. Hey, we have we love football. We have a ton of rich boosters. We'll build everything we need to build. We have the recruiting area here. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod expansion. Always oh, the topic. Didn't even get deep into the season before there's expansion rumors. Maybe more Keeps than rumors. Keeps the pod wheels turning, man. <laughs> Maybe more than rumors. The Pac-12 is zeroed in on San Diego State and SMU in an effort to return to 12 teams and provide the, in college football parlance, inventory to uh, try to make something out of this TV deal that I don't believe has gone quite how they were hoping. You would get up to 90 games now. Adding two teams, you add a whole bunch of games. So even if San Diego State and SMU are not exactly USC and UCLA, in terms of a television draw, you get more things to sell, and that will help. We can get into the TV part of this, but why don't we just start with this? If you were picking two teams, Pat, are these the two you would pick if you were the Pac-12? I think so. Like, if I didn't feel like I could pry anybody loose from the Big 12, you know, you're not going to get Houston to change their mind or BYU to change their mind. These would be the places I would go. Uh, to your point, they, they are not a cure-all. It's not a panacea. They don't replace losing one of the biggest football brands and one of the biggest men's basketball brands in the history of their sports. But the things that they give you, even more than TV market, okay, Southern California, San Diego, and Dallas, well, SMU doesn't really deliver the Dallas TV market, and San Diego State doesn't really deliver SoCal. But you want recruiting areas in those two places. I mean, the Pac-12 would love to have a, a foothold of any kind in Texas, which is what SMU could theoretically give you, uh, a chance to sell your league in the DFW Metroplex, and then a return to SoCal uh, with San Diego State with a brand new stadium and, you know, theoretically the chance to then be the Pac-12 Southern California team. So it doesn't fix any everything. It may not fix much, but it's the best options available. And it does add, as you said, inventory and bulk. And you just, you need that, I think, for security's sake and for what you're trying to sell to the, to the networks and other media entities. You know, among the options out there, and, and obviously excluding all the, the uh, Power 5 teams thinking that nobody would leave, like the Big 12 or, or anything like that, if you exclude all them, then, yeah, I mean, you know, arguably these, these two might be the top two. I think, you know, other teams potentially that the Pac-12 would look at, and I think are looking at, is 
Gonzaga for basketball, you know, and that's come up with the Big 12, but I think the Pac-12 has been, you know, kind of zeroed in somewhat on Gonzaga as well. Boise kind of comes up, you know, and geographically that makes a lot of sense. But as we all know, Boise is just kind of so remote and they don't bring, um, they, they do bring inventory, but they don't bring a ton of eyeballs. For, same with kind of Fresno State, which is, again, makes more sense geographically. But, you know, SMU, you get your foothold in, in uh, Texas and right in the middle of Dallas. And it makes a lot of sense from, from that standpoint. But this is all about content and inventory, more so than I think eyeballs. I think the streaming services that, which probably are Amazon, that Pac-12 is in negotiations with, want more content, want more inventory. One thing SMU also gives you is the central time zone. You know, and that's something the Pac-12 doesn't have. So you could see games in the central time zone, kind of like back Big 12 went and got BYU to, to get, you know, get in the mountain mountain time zone. So if you go back to last summer, it was made pretty clear that, you know, it's been long thought that that SMU or that uh, that San Diego State was was a target for, for the Pac-12. And I think that's kind of been known. I think it's the missing piece was who's going to be their running mate, so to speak, when, when, S, when if SM, uh, San Diego State joins, who's going to join with them? And so again, the, all those were thrown out, like the Boise and the Fresno and the SMU, and it appears, given that George Klyavkov is visiting SMU and doing it so publicly, it leaked out, obviously, with Brett McMurphy Tuesday night, but it was going to leak out anyway because he's going to a basketball or supposed to go to a basketball game Wednesday night, which is unusual uh this is unusually public to be courting a school so in in the public view uh, i think it's it's interesting and there's been some interesting reaction from around college football and from the pac-12 officials kind of like scratching their head of why is this playing out so publicly this is not usually how this happens but here we are well do they have to hide it i mean nobody else is looking to expand well, they know these guys would say yes, sir. Maybe not. That's that's a thing. That's also a thing here, Dan. Is Big Twelve? I think is talking to the same people. I, you know, I think that the Big Twelve and Brett Yormark, we know how aggressive he's been, and this it, it seems like the Big Twelve and the in the Pac twelve are in this some kind of kind of territorial war, kind of like Fox and ESPN in. I think that the Big 12 has had some talks with San Diego State. Big 12 has had talks with Gonzaga. And the Big 12 office is located in Dallas. So how do they feel that uh, a team located in the heart, right, of their of their backyard, so to speak, is might jump? Would that trigger them to be interested all of a sudden in SMU? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you go 12 teams that way? I don't know. I mean, 16 no, they're, teams. They're already, gonna they're already be at 12. 12. So they had four. Yeah. It would be 14. Yeah. Mm-hmm. potentially 14 i don't know well all right so maybe there is that option i i've kind of felt like the big 12 was done and in a good place to see it hot pan out uh, let's go to this so both programs have been have put together some pretty good runs of late in their respective leagues rocky long brady hoke and then rocky long and then brady hoke again have done a pretty good job at san diego state i think this is obviously was the no-brainer for the pac-12 you got to do something in Southern California and there's no option in LA. So San Diego state, I think was the immediate number one choice. And I think they have potential as a TV property to improve. I don't think they're much, but you don't even have a pro team down there. So I don't know. Just seemed like it made sense. I guess, you know, Fresno, I just think it's, it's not the city that's very exciting and the, the area is not exciting. God bless Fresno. <laughs> but I, I think that's, you know, I mean, they have a good program. They have a really good fan base. They, You can get, and if you start bringing Pac-12 teams in there and you start having Fresno play Pac-12 teams, I don't really care about market size. It's really the like what's the the penetration that you could get. I mean... Fresno would be so hyped for the Pac-12. I think, and I think the same thing for Boise, which obviously has had a, a higher ceiling than the others and had done really well and could really be, 
you know, in a growing city, in a growing area in, in Idaho, really, really a big deal. And I wonder if those aren't better television properties than SMU. And I understand they probably have studied all these data and, uh, you know, have much more information than I have. So I don't think I'm cluing them in on a secret. But, you know, SMU, I don't know. Uh, I think they have terrific potential as a program. They have a ton of money, a lot of rich boosters that want to play the NIL game, and they are playing it as aggressively as you can at that level. I just, I don't know. I mean, if you want to control Dallas, you you sign the Dallas Cowboys. TCU doesn't do I mean, it's just, hey, we're adding Dallas. Like, no, you're not. No offense to SMU, but nobody nobody controls Dallas except the Cowboys. Uh, I'm not sure the Mavericks can can claim it. So I don't know. I, I guess that was probably if the, if this is the route they're going. You know, Boise's a better national brand than SMU. Obviously, not the recruiting turf. Uh, it is isolated, but then again, four of the schools it's not up there, or even Colorado. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. I guess the, the the SMU Boise debate is pretty interesting. I don't know that Boise's not better off not being in it though. Like with the playoff berth to the yeah. Group of Five team, you know, gosh, you win the Mountain West, you know, a couple times every four years, and you're in. You might be in. Obviously, the Americans going to have something to say about that, or maybe a Sun Belt, or maybe a MAC team, or something like that. But it's it's a it's a pretty good opportunity to to do well. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just that the debate to me isn't open and shut except for San Diego State. Why? What happened to Boise, Pat? You're uh, you, you drove the bus. I drove the bus. That's you know they they don't have the same traction they used to. They're they're not going twelve and zero. They're not you know ranking them in the top ten. They 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 they're not the same program they were a decade ago or a decade plus. And I do think. The big thing, the differentiator in SMU's favor is recruiting ground. Yeah. And I could see the coaches in every sport saying, yes, let's go play in Dallas on a regular basis. Right. And let's sell kids from Dallas to come to our school and be able to go play a home game there. Everyone you know, and their brother's huge. trying that, of course. What's that? Everyone and their brother tries that. Yeah, right, recruit. yes. It's like all That's these true. basketball teams that play like one game a year. Like they'll go to the Barclays Center. <laughs> and they're going to get yeah. some New York City point guards, you know, and you're like, really? But, hey, you never know. Uh, well, you know what else about Boise? The thing, their fans don't show up at their games. No, I know. Their attendance is garbage for that little stadium, and considering they how good there is. They don't have many fans. Yeah, like, what are the people of Boise doing? There's not a lot doing? of people up there. There's antelope, and there's deer, and there's people, and the, the, the people are probably the third most populous entity up there. there's people in boise's like a million people they can there's, fit that little stadium well they don't i know i i i've been saying for years why don't they get to the game like that uh, that stadium what is it albertson how big is that that thing's like thirty thousand yeah. seats it used to be like 36 i don't know what it is now well, i'll look it up while you talk uh, that yeah the uh the other thing too like i thirty-six thousand three eighty-seven. 387 okay is your attendance there not the other thing enough. is, I, I I would imagine SMU is absolutely pitching to the Pac-12, we can be your TCU. Mm, yeah. The points that you were making there, Dan, like, of, of hey, we, have, we love football. We have a ton of rich boosters. We'll build everything we need to build. We have the recruiting area here. We will get it up to speed and be as good as TCU. Give us a few years. Give us a chance. I, I don't know if they can be, but I would bet that's part of the pitch there. It would and, be if I, they, were, if I were Rick Hart. And they have not been shy about pitches. Yeah. And they've been pretty public about their uh, – public and aggressive about their candidacy for a, a Power 5 promotion. It's It really – it's been that case for years, but over the last year or so, it's been louder and louder. And part of it is because they were, again, left out by the Big 12. And during the Big 12's latest expansion, you know, they added UCF and they added Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU, and yet left the team in, in their right in their backyard with a lot of money and good academic standing and reputation and all that stuff out and I don't even think SMU in that expansion discussions, I don't even know if they were they made the top six to eight cut of a finalist. Memphis was 
probably in there. Boise was was probably in there. I don't I don't know where SMU stacked up, but let me tell you, the SMU people, as you imagine, were not happy that they were left out of the Big Twelve discussions, and I think they were left out because there are some teams in the Big 12, right, that probably had suggested they not invite SMU. Some of them suggested they not invite Houston, but they couldn't hold off the Cougars and uh, their their uh, billionaire booster. So I, I think part of being left out last year with the with the with the Big 12 has been has been a big reason why they've been so public and aggressive about it. And even all the way up to the school president. And so now, you know, here's here's my thing. And I mentioned it earlier a little bit. You know, uh, again, the, the Pac-12 and Big 12 seem to be engrossed in a territorial battle uh, that played out publicly a little bit between the two commissioners, Brett Yormark of the Big 12 and George Klafkoff of the Pac-12 over the summer and into the fall. You know, not only was your mark of the Big 12 courting the Pac-12 South schools, try to woo them away, something that could still happen. You never know. I mean, the TV deal didn't sound, sounds like they're having issues. Not only that, but but your mark went to market early, got a deal done for his TV deal, for his TV, uh, his multimedia right contract before, before the Pac-12, despite the Pac-12 coming up earlier. And it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of, screwed the Pac-12 and they sit here and they're obviously having issues. And now the Pac-12 is looking right in the Big 12's backyard. And you wonder if that hasn't got the Big 12's attention to, ooh, we don't want the Pac-12 here in Texas. Maybe we'll take a look. Well, you SMU, seem to be insinuating you know? it, Ross. It seems like you might Yeah, I mean, I think them. I think it's there. I think there's something there <laughs> yeah, to... Uh, I think there to sounds like it. This, you know, this Big 12, <laughs> Pac-12 battle is going to be interesting to see to see how it plays out. I Or I should say the Big 12, Pac-12 war because there's been little battles. You know, we see your mark yeah. of the Big 12 won the, won the TV battle and won the kind of won the expansion battle. So we might have another expansion battle uh, coming for territory right now. I, I I don't know. I don't know if you're the Big 12 that adding you know, SMU cramps in a little bit on TCU. Did, yeah, I mean, it's a big enough market. I don't know. Interesting. Actually, the, 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 the SMU but should be in the Big 12, though, not the yeah, Pac-12. Right. I mean, but, yeah, but geographically I, and culturally, it yeah. May, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for them in the Big 12. Work. I mean, it does work. Yeah. This is most well, of the leagues have, you don't need two teams in Mississippi, but you have them. Right, and, well, and think it yeah. actually yeah. adds but, to the the culture of it all. It adds but to the rivalries, the geographic rivalries. Think about TCU. Think about Houston. Think about the Baylor. I mean, all the Texas yeah. Tech. You know, they're all kind of grouped yeah. together, and that would be really, like a, you know, that would be a really cool. That's what the old conferences used be to be. The Southwest conferences Conference. used to be about, about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But to your point, the schools that didn't want T- SMU are TCU, Baylor. That's. I mean, TCU is marketing itself as the Metroplex's Power Five team. Right. I don't right. want SMU. Yep. Well, SMU is yeah. going to go somewhere. Yeah. So that they're going to be able to market that. And uh, I don't know. Maybe you're better just playing them and creating, you know, maybe. one of the things One of the things when you have all the teams close is you get better rivalries and, and better just everything. Attendance, all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look at, look at, you know, what's the best basketball, college basketball over the last 50 years? Tobacco Road, right? Well, you would never put, nowadays, these guys would never put four teams in one area, let alone three right. in literally one mid-sized city. Mm-hmm. But that's where the basketball, that's the epicenter of college basketball. There's obviously Kansas and Kentucky, some Pat, you know, Louisville can make some claims, but not quite that concentrated. The old Big East, right? Put one in every little right. city up there. Not every little, but right? You really need Providence and Connecticut and Boston. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's the best way for the Big 12 to create something dynamic where it's like a lot's happening in the key city for us and in this state. Let Texas and Texas A&M go do their own thing. We've, we've got this. Yep. I think it makes a lot of, yeah. it, it actually makes a lot of sense. I, I don't know if the, if the Pac-12 gets close enough to a deal with SMU if Big 12 gets together and your mark convinces TCU, convinces Houston, Baylor, convinces them that SMU needs to be in the league, that it would be better if SMU's in our league instead of SMU 
being in the Pac-12 and all these Pac-12 teams coming here, potentially coming here to recruit more than they already do now. Like, I, I could see that conversation being had in the Big 12 offices. So then if you do that, do you then grab – do you go San Diego State or do you grab Memphis? If you're the Big 12? Uh, good yeah, yeah, if you're the Big 12. I always think Memphis is a – Memphis is, is got a lot they, to offer. They finished runner-up, basically, from what I understand. Yeah, they were like time. the, you know, the Memphis, South the Florida's, South Florida's trying to get mm-hmm. in. I mean, they've underachieved dramatically, but they're building they a, their own stadium. They have a lot in South Florida, and it could be a good program, but they don't have the connection to the city the way right. Memphis, no, Memphis does. Absolutely. And that's a recruiting area, and you're you're pinching in a little bit on the on the SEC. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree on the uh, – you know, it's almost like you overwhelm the big schools with numbers. Colorado State was in – I remember was in the conversation. Yes. Yep. Also, they were trying. you know, remember that, Pat? Yeah, they were – Yeah. They, I feel like they were in a group of 8 to 10. You know, they picked the four, and they were in a group of the, that group of 8 to 10, Memphis, Colorado State, Boise, uh, USF, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, a quick uh, – just – so I don't get Boise State fans mad at me. They they are listing a bunch of thirty five thousand <laughs> attendances last year. I guess I remember the 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 Mountain West Championship game being lightly attended, and that's a list of twenty four thousand. Yeah. If so, they were well hidden, in what I recall. <laughs> um, so I don't know if these numbers are just, still look, in I, a city of one million. Look, Nebraska's got nothing going on, and they all show yeah. up. Yeah. So you know, Boise I, fans could have done more. I covered games there at their height, and they were not filling that stadium. No, I know. Yeah. Cool place. And, yeah. Uh, but I you mean, would I think, I mean, it. you have this program doing real – like Fresno people come out, yeah. and it's the only game in town. Like, what else are you waiting for? Like, the NFL's not coming. You're Boise. You know, this is your thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Not really. I mean, this, this school is right in the city. It's – again, it should be something, but – but I don't know that they're not better off. Well, if this whole if the Big Twelve fights back, I want to fight. This is good. I'm more excited <laughs> about this topic than when I started. Yeah, I See? mean they they've been in a fight. I I think um, I'm trying to think fight, of all fight, the things fight. they're fighting over. You know, World star. Um, but but uh, you got and it's funny because I, I was talking to somebody uh, this morning about this Big Twelve Pac Twelve kind of war, so to speak, George versus Brett, and they were they were talking about how. Each of the commissioners, personality-wise, are very different, but they they kind of come from the same world, I guess. You know, they were outside of college football industry. They were kind of in inter- the entertainment industry. They're both kind of businessmen. So it's been interesting to see them go back and forth publicly. Of course, that kind of stopped. We saw that over the summer and into the fall, and that's kind of that's kind of stopped a little bit. And then you you kind of haven't heard a whole lot about the Pac-12 South schools coming over to the Big Twelve. Because everybody thought the Pac-12 would get a deal, TV deal that was somewhat similar, but this has to cast a little doubt on that. If you have to go get SMU and San Diego State to get to your goal for a TV package, I don't know. There, there might be there might be having some uh, some issues there. So you can bet that Brett Yarmark is not going to back down on his his interest in in. Pac-12 schools or interest in other schools the Pac-12 happens to be going after. Yeah, you know, these are two guys that came in with similar billing. The outside guy with the bright new ideas who was going to save the conference that's in trouble. And both of them were, you know, greeted with big fans. Hey, oh, this guy's smart. This guy's it. This guy is it. And the other guy's probably like, no, I'm it. You know, there's not a shortage of ego generally in the Power 5 commission uh, commissioner realm, and and I think these guys would would safely qualify, and so I think that there's definitely some some individual rivalry there, and and I do wonder, Ross and I, we were texting earlier today, like why why is Kliakov going to this game as putting you know, to to Temple SMU, one of the worst basketball games probably of the year. I mean SMU is <laughs> terrible, Temple isn't too bad, but uh, I I just posited that, that he just maybe is trying to look publicly proactive. Hey, I'm out here trying to work. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the backyard of the Big 12, and I'm trying to get things done while everybody's saying, where's the meteorites deal? Well, uh, Dennis Dodd's got a story here saying that the Pac-12 is going to be heavily reliant on a digital streaming partner. ESPN obviously is interested for the quote-unquote fourth window 
you know, games after 10 o'clock, your Pac-12 after dark, which, you know, I think could be, they could get two good games on there every week or something like that. But, the, you know, the, to go to go streaming, I don't More consider than half, that. right? Yeah, More that's than half not really the, a positive yeah. for anybody, and especially budding not programs. Not visibility, no. No, I think, you know, streaming... I just came from a Roger Goodell press conference and and one of the issues was Amazon's numbers are way below for Thursday night football than than all these other games and trying to figure out do you put you know do you put a Chiefs Bills game on there so their rating is up or now you're screwing all the people who don't have Amazon Prime and and different you know different things do you want to do that and he talked about you know he spun it as well our our, our viewership age is younger it's like 10 years younger. I'm like, yeah, it's because you have less, like the old guys didn't watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. You cut your audience off. Yeah. But streaming is not as, look, if the NFL struggles to get people to tune in for streaming against no competition, one singular NFL game, and the NFL pretty much just does whatever it wants. If you're the Pac-12 and you're competing in this just, you know, chaotic television environment where you can watch seven different games on at a time, if not more, you need people to say, okay, I'm going to put on this streaming, which is hard. Like the old days of just cable, you could click back and forth between channels almost instantaneously. Streaming mm-hmm. takes, it takes a few seconds, five seconds, you know, sometimes longer. And so it's not as easy to just be your second or third option, right? And if you're trying yeah. to get people to watch your third or fourth game, uh, my get they're just not going to watch unless they're yeah. already fans of those teams. So I don't think I don't think streaming is great at all for any place, but it's certainly not for someone trying to build an audience because even the NFL, which has the audience, can't get everyone to watch. I agree. Uh, that's like. Unless people can't live without your product, don't make it hard to get your product. You yeah. Know? And it's, that's one of the things streaming does. It's more costly. It's a little bit more complicated. You get delayed. You get behind. The, Not the, everyone one has of the it all. Nice, yeah. One of the nice little details of the Dr. Pepper Fansville commercials, which are underrated in terms of their ability to actually tap into what the fan experience is like. Is when they're they're trying to get the game on some game on streaming, and they're like, "What's the password? I can't get the password." Oh, we got the caps lock on. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of little hurdles that you go through, and the older your audience gets, the fewer hurdles they want to put up with. And then I'm just going to say, I don't need Pac-12 streaming. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. In the visibility, I would be concerned. You know, like if in this competition with Big Twelve versus Pac-12, the Big Twelve right now has a uh, you know, a TV package with ESPN and Fox and the Pac-12 might, sure, it might get to the number of, of the Big 12, like the total figure of distribution and in, in the value of the package. But if it's with Amazon and in ESPN, if it's like 75% Amazon and 25% ESPN, the visibility isn't going to be what it is in the Big 12. And you wonder if that is a concern for Pac-12 schools who might have a leering coaches, eye. You know, coaches yeah. don't want it. Well, you remember what happened with the Big Ten, Big Ten basketball coaches, right? Uh, and their oh deal boy. when they when they didn't, yeah, when they didn't uh, re up with ESPN, there was a little bit of concern from Big Ten basketball coaches from a visibility standpoint, for sure. They were really mad when they started the Big Ten Network. <laughs> uh, remember that? Now <laughs> the, their That's salaries, yeah, well. their their paychecks have not been as worried. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what's next. Your move, Big 12, 14 team Big 12. I would go, I would go SMU Memphis. That would be my Big 12 play. So there you go. That's what I would do if I was the Big 12. I would try to add those two. And then if I was Pac 12, I would come back and probably go San Diego State Boise. Although Fresno and kind of that same concept of just doubling down on the state of California isn't a bad and there are a lot of players in in the central valley so there you go i don't know but uh thank fight you week continues fight week continues that's what we need we need all the fight we can get searching for nba playoff coverage we've got you 
The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. This is uh, a story of not necessarily a fight, or maybe it is. It's the uh, Brian Ferentz new contract. Ferentz is the offensive coordinator at Iowa, the son of Kirk Ferentz. Last year's offense at uh, the Hawkeyes was so notably weak that it became uh, almost a national punchline, if not least storyline, including... It became a podcast punchline, I know that. Well, we we milked it for all we could, of course, because we're a bunch <laughs> of vultures and can't think of other better ideas than making fun of <laughs> Iowa. It seemed so, to resonate with know. the listenership. I mean, it was bad. I mean, but Kirk Ferentz was battling Ohio columnists, and I mean, it was... <laughs> It was ugly. So Brian Ferentz was, was hired back again, but we have a new contract of his that has become public because Iowa is a school. And he's taking a pay cut down 50000 But the, the real key is there are incentives here that will change the, the way his contract goes and literally could mean he's either fired or keep a two-year rolling contract. And the key number here is the program has to average 25 points a game in, in its season. And last year, it only averaged 17.7 and finished 123rd nationally. <laughs> I don't, is that, is, does that include special teams and defense? Because they scored a gazillion points on defense. Yes, it includes everything, right, Pat? So he, I think it includes all, all points scored it, go toward the points average. Richard okay, Johnson so. from our staff did call Iowa, and they said, yes, the scoring average as a whole. It's not subdivided. Okay, so the defense can save the offense. Yeah, again. Ferentz can make – okay, so that's interesting. He's rooting for special teams, all of that. 2021, the Hawkeyes averaged 23.4, so he wouldn't have done it that way. But they are winning. So this year uh, – so – Last season, the defense scored six of the team's 25 touchdowns, nearly a quarter of them. <laughs> Plus two safeties. <laughs> Plus two safeties. Okay. So back in 2020, Iowa averaged 30.8. And in 2000, I'm reading this from The Athletic, uh, Iowa averaged 31.2. Scott Dockerman's got a, a, a bit. So they were a juggernaut back then. So can they get it done is, is the question. And what's going to be – Part of what's funny is is trying to uh, like chart this, right? Like it's <laughs> it's almost like an election night when uh, <laughs> yeah. like that John King is at the map and he's like, because like they're gonna start with Utah State at Iowa State, Western Michigan, right? So it's like when a candidate's doing well and like they do well in the this area, like that county, he needs like 70% out of that county because he's going to get creamed over in this county, right? <laughs> the votes are going to come in from here, not there. So you like Western Michigan, you got to get like 50 because you're going to Penn State the next week and you might only get seven. So it's going to be like, we need like John King at the, at the big board to, yeah. to plot out. We're going to need an analytics guy for the college football inquirer. We'll be, I, I'm going to study up. And oh, get on we'll this. be ready. Projected we'll be point ready. totals, can you guess? Yeah, that's the, what you do. It's like, all right, you need. Got to run it up early. The electoral votes votes are going to be bad. Well, that's all right. So, like, you know, that's when you're doing the electoral college, you need 200 and some or whatever vote, uh, electoral votes, and that's the total you need. And you start deducting from that as you win states. Right. Well, the total, if, if Iowa plays 13 games, which they would have to if you're going to win seven, that's 325 points. So we're just going to be deducting from 325 to Wait, see if we can get to zero. What if they only play 12 games? Well, then you didn't win seven games, which is the other part of it. You got to do both. You got to average 25 and win seven. Oh, so you'd count your bowl game. You'd have to, oh, I guess. I would think you do. Because you could know, win. You go seven and five. 
mm-hmm. and not. But you go seven and five and not make the Big Ten title game, but you get a right, bowl. But game. you're going to a bowl game. You're going to some. You know, they're gonna. They, they always win. I mean, this is the joke. I mean, they they won the Big right. Twelve, the Big Ten West twice, despite no offense. They're gonna win. Yeah. They also yeah. do not have Michigan or or Ohio State on the schedule, so they it's a favorable year for them in the electoral college, right? <laughs> Three hundred twenty-five mm-hmm. points. That's the number. Yeah, we'll and how what, uh, was it? Was it 80, 86 or eighty-five teams last year scored scored that? It's got many points. If you average so. twenty-five a game, then you, you were you would be eighty-fifth nationally in scoring offense last year. Arkansas State, Brilliant. that was them. So, so we're setting a real top, high bar for old yeah. Brian. There. Yeah, it's finishing the top eighty-five, and you get a hundred and twelve thousand dollar bonus. Sounds great. <laughs> well, this is like this is the best bonus system since uh, Randy Etzel left. that's true that was he get like two grand if they had like more rushing yards in the second quarter and stuff like that yeah i mean there's already yes been plenty of jokes about you know if they end up at the like against nebraska at the end of the regular season they're up 23 to 3 but they're chucking it all over trying to get because brian ference needs two more touchdowns to reach his uh his yeah you got to run it up on somebody uh and, and certainly the bowl game like you need, like at that point, Brian Ferentz, like Cade McNamara, please play the bowl game. I'll split <laughs> yeah. it with you, right? <laughs> I'll split the bowl. <laughs> There's no opting out. Coach Ferentz needs his money. That's right. They do have Cade McNamara showing up, which should help. You know, he look, he lost the job at Michigan. McNamara was the guy, though, that led them to the playoffs the year before. He lost the job out to J.J. McCarthy at Michigan, but uh, and he got injured last year. But it's a good quarterback. It's certainly oh, yeah. better than what Iowa's had lately. And, and one of the criticize, criticisms was they didn't hit the transfer portal to get a quarterback a year ago. So mm, right. I think he's going to okay. do it. I think he's going to do it. You think so? Well, I I kind of hope so just because the 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 absurd Brian Ferentz melodrama has been good for pod business. That's for Yeah, sure. well, we'll, keep a, we'll do a weekly tracker on this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, we, we, Definitely yeah, needs a big tracker. third week against Western Michigan. <laughs> I, I think you got to get some numbers there. You got to rack mm-hmm. up where you got to get your base out, base votes. <laughs> they know right. how to caucus. They know all about voting and caucusing and stuff in Iowa. This is important. They do. So, that yeah, was it. Well, was a, you, you said the last podcast where Gary Barta he caught, he caught a stray from somewhere. I, I can't remember what it was about. And you said he was off caucusing and. That was he was he? Oh, that was the, the, the orange crush. The orange crush was trying to sneak oh, by. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, he was busy writing up this contract, but he still had time to catch the orange crush. <laughs> anyway, it's an excellent uh, uh, deal here. It does it like I? If your name isn't Ference, he would have been fired last year. At least they've put some parameters on him this year, and said, and and there is a termination possibility if you don't reach those goals. Yeah, this is some big uh, time nepotism. Oh yeah, yeah. It's college. It's 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 football. The nepotism yeah. is uh, is is everything. Quick Super Bowl uh, speaking non nepotism note, I suppose. Pretty interesting. Uh, Nick Sirianni is the Eagles coach, and uh, he played and then was later a. Uh, or I think he's he's on the coaching staff at Mount Union, the D three power in Ohio. The two thousand five Mount Union coaching staff yeah. featured Nick Sirianni, who's now obviously in the Super Bowl. Matt Campbell, the head coach of Iowa State, Jason Candle, who's the head coach at Toledo, Vince Kears, who's now the coach at Mountain Union, he seated his father, and Zach Bruni, the head coach of Division II Wheeling, West Virginia. Five head coaches on the 2005 Mount Union coaching staff. They were all they were all like 26 years old or something. Yeah. I mean, not bad. And, and yeah, like one's an NFL in the Super Bowl and, and Matt Campbell's won the Big 12, right? I mean, you know. Toledo's loaded next year. Like they're doing a good job. Candle's doing a good job at Toledo. They 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 yeah. have a real chance yeah. to be not just Mac good, but like, like you know, potentially a, a challenger to, to a, to a group. I guess it'll be the last of the New Year's six things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty wild. You never know. It's funny how those things come together. Like, yeah. Mount Union. Yeah. Well, that, there was the, 
what that that one Michigan State team where there was like four NFL quarterbacks on it. It was like Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles and and whoever Hoyer, whoever. Was Hoyer on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes an unusual spot. So anyway, it's uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty good. All right, this is another uh, kind of odd story, but interesting. Aaron Suttles is the Alabama beat writer for the Athletic and had been covering. Alabama sports for a while. Most Crimson Tide fans know Aaron does a, did a great job at that. So this is the, the modern the modern world, I guess, of quote unquote media. He has left the athletic and being a beat writer to go work as the director of content for Yay Alabama or Yay Alla. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> which is the yeah Alabama we'll yeah, just go yeah, with Alabama. yay Alabama yay, yay Alabama. Alabama yay Alabama yeah sorry I guess we'll know more when he when we have good Aaron Suttles uh in content <laughs> coming out it's the N it is an NIL for Alabama a name image and likeness collective is hiring a beat writer a, a, a director of content to tell the stories of Alabama student athletes I did not see this coming yeah, a couple of things here. It's, it's interesting. Well, first of all, the Alabama Collective, yeah, Alabama is calling itself a, a an NIL entity, not an NIL collective entity. So there's there's that an entity because the word collective now has uh, obviously has developed a connotation. It's actually kind of smart from Alabama, but we all can see through it. It is a collective. Could have had a better name than know, Yeah Alabama. Well, that's part yeah, of Alabama. I think Yeah isn't well, it's part of their fight yeah, song. If there's an right? H on the end, it's Yeah. If there's no H, it's Yay. Yeah, I think it's their, that's uh, that's their fight song. I believe it's their fight chant, a part of their fight song. Anyway, so the second thing is, you know, we've seen NIL collectives hire football team, like chiefs of staff, compliance directors, school compliance directors, associate athletic directors, but we haven't seen them grab grab a journalist, especially one longtime journalist from a a beat, and and hire them. And it reminds me of you know. Eight to ten years ago, when schools started hiring in-house journalists to cover the team, and they hired a lot of them hired hired uh, beat writers, their own beat writers, you know, right. for their own local newspaper. It kind of reminds me of that, and I think from what I've gathered, Aaron will be doing a lot of what those in-house beat writers at the schools do, which which is you know write features and stuff on on uh, the players and coaches and produce videos and all that stuff. So I wonder if this will be a trend, if we'll see more of this, because what's happening is everybody, all these collectives are going to a the subscription-based model of NIL to try to raise NIL, which is, you know, you pay a fee, usually ranges between $10 a month and maybe $500 a month. And, you know, there's a certain kind of levels depending on how much you give and there's certain access and it goes up the more you give. So he'll be part of that access. You'll get to, you know, these stories and videos and such. I mean, they do like alumni, Matt. Uh, yeah, I can, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's interesting. I, the, yeah. the college football inquirer is available. If someone wants to bid on us. <laughs> <laughs> Gator collective 13.8. We'll, we'll take, <laughs> we'll take the 13.8. We're going to actually might read a- the contract though. We are actually going to read. <laughs> yeah, we can't get the- yeah, that's right. That's right. I know what a contract is and uh, that thing you pulled off, but if Gator collective wants us, we can be the exclusive content provider of Gator Collective or podcast for 13.8 mil over the next four years. I'm good. Yeah. You guys, I feel I feel safe to say that I, you guys would go along with that. Bump it to 14 and let's go. Let's round it. <laughs> we got, yeah. Hey, we're It's all Gator. fake money anyway. All we do is sit around and talk about how great Florida is. Is that what we have to yeah, do? Boy. I can do it. 14 mil. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's the thing. I'd have if if, we, if the checks really start rolling in, we devil. could probably do it. But lost it would, the Georgia it again. Of, uh, but man, it would take a lot of suppression of natural snark. <laughs> oh, we'll limit. Hey, I'm everything's for sale, baby. Everything's for sale. <laughs> Dan Wetzel leading the, the podcast NCAA, with Billy Napier. The NCAA would genius. immediately immediately launch an investigation to any collective that tried to buy us, but. <laughs> 
I don't know on they what should. grounds, but somehow, no, somehow this will end with me on probation. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, how about if the NCAA tries to buy us? We, 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 could, we could do it for them. <laughs> sure. if they give them up with 15. <laughs> we need a bidding war. We, we, need, we need somebody they to got bid a against lot of the money. Gator collection. They got a they lot do. of money. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Call yeah. us. We're Come available. On. They got the put the slippery noodle fund towards us. See what happens. Where's uh, Marty go. Walsh? Let's go. <laughs> no, Charlie Baker, not Walsh, right? Charlie Who's, Baker. Who's Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker. Yeah. yeah. Walsh is the he's becoming he was the mayor. He's becoming the uh, NHLPA. My hmm. my Massachusetts politicians entering sports. Uh I got him crisscrossed <laughs> there. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I was I was I was looking at you rather blankly there. I didn't know who Marty Walsh I, uh, was. Sorry. Yeah, see, I gotta know a lot of things. You guys don't have to know a little. This is why I yeah. that's why I'm me, you're you. Yeah. NHLPA head. Uh Ross, what's the latest? I saw some then about the NIL. They were they're cracking down even more on NIL. Uh, well, what, we just what, got more on? details. Yeah, I remember last week we had a story about the um NIL's new standard of a violation, and basically they lowered the standard thinking that this will trigger you know, more investigations and more successful investigations that produce penalties and such. But we got just a little more like detail of the wording of the bylaws. And and I'm quoting uh, the attorney Mitt Winter, uh, actually a big Chiefs fan and lives in Kansas City. Kansas City lawyer does a lot of NIL stuff. He's saying if materials requested uh, to be produced by legal counsel, agents, or boosters during an NCA investigation are not produced, the enforcement staff can infer that the materials would support an alleged violation. So if they bring a violation to a school and request all of these documents in connection to said potential violation and you don't produce any of these documents, guess what? It's a violation and you'll be charged. And this extends to the lawyer's. Exactly. Where then Tom Mars, the lawyer, comes in and Tom Mars has been <laughs> pretty vocal. Yes, Tom has been pretty vocal. <laughs> Tom Mars Tom has, has been, an opinion? Tom, <laughs> Tom has been pretty, uh, pretty vocal on this. And uh, I think his quote, and I think this was in Sportico, is a good piece by our former colleague, Michael McCann. And this is Tom Mars's quote. It appears this ill-conceived legislation came about when the NCA finally realized that it doesn't have the ability to enforce the NIL rules. This new bylaw should be added to a growing list of mindless missteps, which make the NCA <laughs> even more punchable than the one before. Punchable. Leave it up to Tom <laughs> Mars. The NCA is a punchable face, is what he's saying. <laughs> That's tremendous. Uh, call for uh, violence. I mean, well, well, I mean, what are we just, I mean, uh, what are these schools doing? Like, who is, they're so scared of this NIL boogeyman, they're literally handing away the constitutionally protected rights to a degree of their employees. Yeah. Like, I w- if my bosses did this to you, like, and I know they're not getting legal trouble, although an NCA case can lead to legal trouble. Christian mm-hmm. Dawkins is still in prison. <laughs> People have gone to prison for this stuff. Because mm-hmm. because compliance directors will say one thing on a stand and one thing in an NCA investigation. Cough, cough, Louisville. <laughs> I mean, you have in this country the right to due process. You have the right to attorney-client privilege. You have all sorts of protections. Yet, if you work in college athletics, you have to give them all away because your because your athletic director is terrified of the NIL and have just decided your rights and your privacy and your ability to just uh, conduct yourself is gone. This is nuts. Uh, I don't know if you're more punchable, the NCA, whatever. I can. I can see again. The NCA is playing. They're running a con on these ads. This it's fascinating to me. Like I'm just trying to figure out the genesis of this, and and this is the only way I could figure out this actually went down. Is so yes, as the NIL panic spread across the land, people go to John Duncan like John, aren't you? Can't you get these guys on this? And he's like, well, these are the roadblocks. I'm like, well, well, let's right. just get rid of the roadblocks because 
Duggan will tell you, and if you look at NCAA cases, this is the kind of thing that they run into. Documents not turned over, documents lost, documents delayed, documents funneled through or uh, laundered through attorneys, what have you. Mike Miller, just give me a second. Mike Miller destroyed (laughs) his computer or wiped his computer for Memphis and then it's like, yeah, that's the way it goes. And so that's why the NCAA then is saying, this is what's happening. We know they're cheating. We can't get them because they're getting rid of the evidence, so they're not turning over the evidence. So then everybody's like, okay, well, let's just take what you need. I guess. I guess that's the way this came about. I think that's exactly what happened. I think it's exactly what happened is Duncan basically said, hey, if you want any action, you're probably going to have to change the standard for a violation. In a small group of ADs that are on the NIL subcommittee, there's only about, I think there's maybe 10 to 12 of them on the NIL subcommittee. It's chaired by, actually, coincidentally, as I think I've said on the show before, it's actually chaired by Linda Teeler, who's the deputy at Florida, of all places. Gene Smith of Ohio State, I believe, is on the committee. Rick George of Colorado, Carla Williams of Virginia. And there's probably five to seven more, uh, but they there's a small group, and they decided to to make this think this move. And I'll tell you, and I know Dan and Pat probably know this too, is you start calling around, and there's a lot of administrators around the country scratching their heads on why this move was made. Uh, there wasn't some kind of full vote of a membership. This was a subcommittee who sent the recommendation and reports directly to the board of directors. And uh, board of directors, which is a group of presidents who probably aren't right very close to the issue, this issue and many other issues, just check, voted it in. I, I, the idea of uh, someone not having attorney-client privilege, I, I just, like every prosecutor on earth to be like, boy, it'd be really cool if I heard what the, <laughs> the guy was saying to his lawyer. <laughs> what is this? I need all this the will blow. <laughs> Yeah, that email you sent to the lawyer saying, I did it, but can I hire you anyway? That would be useful. (laughs) What in God's... (laughs) Oh, and if you don't turn over the emails, like the lawyers have to comply. Who wants to be a lawyer for an uh, an NCAA coach now? You'd be crazy. They're coming for... This, let me tell you what, this will blow up spectacularly on the people that voted for it. I don't know what the hell you guys are thinking, but you ne- you gave away your rights, your right, and it's really not yours, but it's your employees, but it could be yours. Yeah. Every person in this country has the, should have the right to have an attorney that they can talk to and know that that information is not going to get out to their boss, to their to the to police, to like in divorce cases, their their spouse, whatever. And these guys are so scared of NIL, which hasn't had anything freaking happen yet, that they just gave it away? Like, you just screwed your employees. No, give them nothing on boss day. Like, you bet, I mean, what if it's a secretary in some case? I mean, oh, my Lord. That's just, this is crazy. It is a panic. Like, this is literally what governments do. They try to create a panic and then take away rights because, well, security, right? Like, that's what they do. And this is what the NCAA is doing. I I don't even blame John Duncan, the NCAA. It's like, man, let's ask this. Maybe these clowns will fall for it. They're idiots. (laughs) And guess what? It worked. Dude, we're going to get all the emails between the guy and his attorney. He's dead. We're going to catch him. <clears throat> yeah, John. Why didn't? Why aren't you making cases? Well, this is why. Okay, we'll just get rid of that roadblock. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like if this is not attorney-client per se, but if you go look at like the Will Wade LSU case, and it is like one issue after another of trying to get Will Wade's records. It's like we need this. No, he's not going to give it to you. We need that. We're not going to give it to you. Well, he says he'll give it to you, but then he's not going to give it to you. And then it's like it's months of this stuff. So that's where it's coming from from an enforcement standpoint. I, I understand the, the the hassles, but like so even Will Wade doesn't have like he would have to be very, very careful now calling his own his own agent or his attorney who's saying, hey, man, what's up? Like I might have to <laughs> Like, were you on the tape? Yeah, I guess I was on. Like, I mean, you can't even, I don't know. What are they going to be meeting under a bridge? Like mafia, <laughs> talk to your mafia attorney or something. I, yeah, don't, I don't get this. I, if there's a better explanation, someone call me and tell me. But 
you guys got played. Straight played. It, I, it, I, I wouldn't even work in the NSA if, if someone told me that. Well, the, the, like I said, the reaction's been an interesting one from around college athletics. But I will say every – before I, I get hounded after this post by administrators, every conference or mo- certainly every FBS conference, I think, has a representative on the NIL subcommittee in every – representative is supposed to go back to the conference, explain what's going on, get the intel from the conference, and then you you go back to the committee. That's the theory. In theory, that's what's supposed to happen. But I don't know how much this happened because when my story posted last Monday, there was a, there was a lot of uh, surprises, I guess, among administrators about this. So the messaging on this wasn't great. I, I don't know. I'm just going to say, be very careful with this. And and, and I, I don't mean it this dire, because whatever, this is what they did. But I can assure you that when Jim Gatto and Merle Code <laughs> were steering Adidas funds with the permission of Adidas to various AAU coaches and things like that, they never, in their wildest dreams, ever thought that they would end up in prison. And yet, they ended up in prison. Like, you just don't know. And so the idea that you don't have attorney-client privilege or it has been curbed in some sort or the presumption of guilt, you must prove a negative. Or if the, it's some what the NCA decides what it has and hasn't been properly turned over by your attorney, and if it doesn't, you're guilty. Like, I understand when you comp- have to comply with you know, your records and your phone records and things like that. But man, it's crazy. So I don't know. Couldn't be interesting for us. I'll tell you that. But, uh, whew, that one is something. All right. Pat <laughs> had to take off. He had to go do the fine bomb show. Cause we were running late running this. Uh, I was going to throw oh? him this question. Paul, Pat 40 ain't played nobody, but I will ask you this question. Okay. okay. Cause, uh, one quick NFL. Angle. Oh, it's not about basketball. Is it? Oh, no, okay. no. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is uh, contemplating his future. Cal, mm. former Cal quarterback, Aaron mm-hmm, Rodgers. Mm-hmm, Steer it. Mm-hmm. He's doing so by taking four days of, in, 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 entering what he's calling four days of darkness. <laughs> he's going to a facility and he was going to sit in the dark for four he's days. So, he's so ridiculous. To have what, deep thinking. What happened to him? They're going to feed him. <laughs> like twice, they'll feed him. But other than that, he has no interaction with humans. He just sits there for four days in the dark, and and doesn't speak. And the silence allows you to hit a level of consciousness or something. Sounds it's like solitary confinement. Yeah, sounds like Shawshank to me. Yeah, but in the hole. I didn't see. I did not see Andy Dufresne come out. I used to watch Lock Up Raw a lot when it was on MSNBC late at night. It was like my favorite show. And I wish they would bring that back. MSNBC should bring back Lock Up Raw. But they hated the hole on that show. So some some guy out there has convinced rich dudes like Aaron Rodgers that they, he should pay them to put them in the hole. Like, this is a b- brilliant business. How long could you survive in the in the day? Could you make four days of darkness? No, couldn't make four days. I would have trouble making four hours. I, I would I would want it to start at night where I could go to sleep, you know, and then I, I can maybe make eight hours. But that that sounds absolutely <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I would make maybe make eight hours by sleeping. I would get up and could not. I would not let. La- I doubt I would really last like more than four hours. I'd be banging on the door to let me free. Aaron Rodgers, man. So when does this four day start? When is he released? Uh, soon. I don't know. Yeah. I, he can he can leave any time. He said, which is a nice. That's NCA nice. will yeah. somehow get them to agree. You can't. <laughs> you have to stay all four days. No, uh, you can leave. I don't know. Like put, they, 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 I don't even know how he gets the food. Like, is he down in like the well, like in Silence of the Lambs? Like, put the lotion in the put the lotion thing. on its like, skin. Did, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the it, the whole thing goes. I, I would not be able to do it. I could. And do, what kind of food is this? Is this trays of food? From is this is this gabagool or what? That's a good point. Like you'd think it would probably wouldn't be that good, but I don't know. It's a high end thing. I mean, look at poor people ain't paying to get put in four days of darkness. Also, what about this the is bathroom? A rich man thing. It's completely well, I'm dark sure they when can he go to the bathroom. I don't think you got to like. 
I don't know. There's a lot of questions. Maybe I'll yeah, I have a lot of questions. I have a lot. I feel pat. What? Yeah. Sh- what happens if it goes really well? And, and say you got like so you come out of it with really good ideas. You can't write it down somewhere. Yeah, you, then you just got to hold on to the thoughts for four days. I, that, that that's what would get me is if that actually did come to enlightenment. And no phone. I'm <laughs> and then I'm just I'm sitting here. Yeah, no I, I, phone, no nothing. Maybe a I, can't, pencil? I can't get it to get some, Like maybe charcoal. You could write it on the wall or something. Like a crayon. I don't know where we really are in Shawshank. This version, this version of Dan, Dan's version of this is definitely like Shawshank. He's going to end up crawling out of, of, of through feces. I would do, not be able to do this at all. Like I am in a, a hotel room right now. If you told me I had to stay in the room for four days with TV and internet, I'd go crazy. Yeah. Like I'm not go. One of the reasons I don't break the law is because I ain't going into prison. I know I couldn't handle it. Like, I would not want to sit in this comfortable courtyard by Marriott for four days, let alone in the dark, let alone without TV and outside access. So I would I not agree. make it very long. How would I podcast? How would I podcast? I know. I don't think no we potting. Rock, but we will see how long Aaron Rodgers' four days of darkness goes, but we'll, we'll, we'll bring it back up next episode. Uh, all right. Enjoy the uh, Super Bowl this weekend. We will be back next with uh, more stuff, of course, stuff going on. So appreciate you, uh, y'all listening, sharing us on social media, telling your friends about us, and uh, we will uh, talk to you next week. Take care.